Damn, 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 son, where'd you find this? Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 23 of the Fly Route Podcast. I am your host, Anthony, a.k.a. Tony Playboy, a.k.a. Ice Ice AD. Hmm. And I'm joined here by one of my great friends, Demarcus, a.k.a. Nigga Marcus. You got any AKAs today? Oh, 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 oh. AKA Lord Snow? Because I'm just tired of this shit. <laughs> oh, man. For y'all to know, y'all do not know, we have been dealing with like ridiculous shit in Texas this week. It basically turned into Minneapolis. But like, not really. It snowed but like three cr- inches and we collapsed. Our infrastructure literally just collapsed on us. Yeah, it got. Well, short story for those who may or may not don't know, it should be clear. It's on CNN every day now. Uh, it got so cold, people were using so much energy. The grid in Texas could not handle it. Texas apparently has deregulated its grid, connected it, deconnected it from the rest of the country and the federal government, and shit went real awry this week. So there will be heads to roll next week. Yes, indeed. So we didn't have power for much of this week. And luckily, we got power back consistently tonight. So we're still going to bring you the episode. So, of course, this this week and next week as well, we have two more Black History Month Facts of the Week. And this one I'm really excited to share with you all. This week's Black History Month Fact of the Week is a shout out to Kurt Flood. Are you familiar with Kurt Flood? Name sounds familiar. Doesn't nothing specific comes to mind though. This would be one of the only times you hear us talk about baseball. So, oh yeah, <laughs> that's where you got me. <laughs> Kurt Flood is a former St. Louis Cardinal, two-time World Series champion, three-time All-Star. He is the reason why we have free agency in sports today. Yes, indeed. Great, great job, Kurt. In 1970. Kurt Flood took a case all the way to the Supreme Court, challenging what was then known as the Reserve Clause, which allowed a team to have a player's rights into perpetuity even after the contract terms had ended. Who thought that was a good idea? Yeah, uh, The Supreme Court, because he lost this case on a 5-3. Oof. Yes, indeed. So... Even though he lost this case, it generated the momentum for a movement, which later on abolished the reserve clause in the MLB just five years later in 1975. However, as a result of bringing his case to the Supreme Court and fighting the league for players to basically not be slaves into Mm -hmm. perpetuity, he was blackballed from the league, received several death threats and hate mail from fans for years. Mm. So he's another person that stands on the cutting edge and on the front lines of getting athletes their rights back. And when he made that push, it was received negatively. He was backballed like somebody we all know. Uh, Yes, yes, Mr. Kaepernick. Um, This was that before that. Um, It's unfortunate that it happened because this is such an integral part of sports today. The free agency market is actually what helped teams quickly ascend to the top of their sport and win championships quickly, as opposed to the stagnant kind of nature of just having a bunch of dynasties in every sport. Imagine if there were two or three dynasties in the NBA and those were the only two people who won. Let's say we were still going through the Cavs-Warriors thing. Let's say it's like year eight of that. Do you think the rest of the league would be very happy if they could get no other players to compete with that quickly? I agree with you. Because other fans were sick of it. non Well, everybody except for Warriors fans were real tired of that. And even Warriors fans were like, damn, this is the fourth year in a row. They still going at it. And imagine if that would happen longer. Um, Not for Mr. Flood. That's what we would have. We would have these kind of persistent dynasties that were able to always build off of their past. More importantly, what he did is give athletes the ability to control their fates which is something they were not allowed to do before he was they tried to trade him after his contract turns were up displace his entire life no 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 so we are giving a big shout out to kurt flood for literally making modern sports what it is today and not getting the recognition for his sacrifice 
great Black History Fact of the Month. All right. I have a more light thing for you here, DeMarcus. Okay. Would you rather be David Cully, the upcoming head coach of the Houston Texans, soon to lose Deshaun Watson, mm-hmm. or would you rather be Nick Sirianni, upcoming head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, who was obviously brought in to repair Carson Wentz, who is now on his way out? Honestly, Sirianni, because at least you know you're going to lose Wentz, and you have someone who you can sort of work around in Jalen Hurts. He has enough talent that you can you scheme the right things, you have the right games, you can make it work. In Houston, there is no heir apparent to Deshaun. There's talk of Deshaun going so far as to sit out the season unless he's moved. And then that kind of drama, either you're going to have the drama of that hanging over your team or a Deshaun-less Houston team, which means you're going to be at the bottom of the um, the or the top of the draft and the bottom of the league once again. And and for me, that just means that it's a real rough year for uh, the coach in Houston. All right. We have an exciting show for you all today. We are going to give you a crazy story about Pac-Man Adam Jones getting into yet another fight. We are going to give you our all-star predictions for the East and the West. The fly route for Blake Griffin now that he has been sat out and a trade or buyout is imminent. And of course, the run pass option segment where we give you the hottest storylines and sports news of the week and let you know whether or not we are going to run with them or pass on them. Welcome to the tee off. Oh, 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 spill that tea, sis. This is how we like to start our show off. We like to spill some tea on some of our favorite athletes and the crazy situations they get themselves into. Now, today we're going to be talking about none other than Pac Man Adam Jones. You know who I'm talking about. Spent 13 years in the league, mostly for the Bengals, was the sixth overall pick to the Tennessee Titans. What's your favorite Pac-Man moment? His fight. Well, which fight? <laughs> um, I there's so many to pick from. There's it was really weird. He had a, actually a really quiet season in Dallas in twenty was that two thousand eight? I want to say, um, when the Cowboys were on hard knocks, he was actually a pretty good comedic relief for that season. Um, but probably one of his fights, my best moment. He's a fiery guy. He talks a ton of shit, gets in trouble on and off the field. Some of his off field, uh, like crazy shit that happens is actually more interesting. Uh, nightclub shootings and shootouts and all. Yes. That's what got him. That got him released from Dallas. How do you get released from Dallas? Which they signed him after he had already been in trouble. (laughs) So if Dallas says it's too much, it's probably too much. You're probably doing the most. And if you have been fights on the field, yelling on the sideline, and you're in nightclub shootouts, that's probably too much for most NFL teams. All right. My favorite Pac-Man moment is where he gets caught, like, putting extra tips up, chips on the table at a casino, mm. like, cheating at the casino. Mm-hmm. They catch him on camera. And, like, he basically goes off on the security <laughs> after he got caught. Just indignant <laughs> that he got caught. Now, look, most recently, Pac-Man has been arrested and is charged with misdemeanor assault. According to court documents, he punched and kicked an employee of a bar until the person was unconscious. Now, why can't Pac-Man just keep his hands to himself? At this point, there's got to be one or two things going on. Either he has some serious past trauma he needs to deal with. Hashtag therapy or possibly there is a, a mental health issue we're not aware of or he's not aware of. I think he actually is diagnosed as as with bipolar disorder. Uh, I don't know if it's under control or how to, that could be accurate. I think that's the actual diagnosis that he shared with people years and years ago. But either way, he needs to get some kind of help because he is 
was a talented player, but possibly Very. did not did not reach the kind of peak of what he could have been because of all of the antics. And now he is a retired player who needs to ostensibly live as a normal human being for another 30 or 40 years until old age. And he seems incapable of doing that. And so unless he wants to end up in prison for a very long time, which would be very sad to see, he needs to have some kind of intervention. I don't know if it's mental health, if it's just having a life coach, someone to support him, kind of keep him in line. You know, like, uh, you know, a homeboy from last week who tried to stop his friend from uh, Marlon. What's the what's the guy's name? Oh, Mark Walton. Mark Walton from last week's tee off, his friend who tried to stop him from busting down that pizza hut. He needs somebody like that in his life who's going to stop Pac-Man. From, from being Pac-Man? From beating up people in bars and shooting <laughs> up nightclubs and all that shit. I mean, you remember when Pac-Man slapped the shit out of the Atlanta airport worker mm-hmm. at, the, at, the, at the airport? Like, and they got that one on video, too. <laughs> you should know better. Everything's on video. It's like, how you, how did you get into a fight with the airport worker? Look, so here's what's going on. There's a lot of conflicting stories between how this came about. The story I want to tell first is Pac-Man's story, because Pac-Man, for some odd reason, after this happening, after getting arrested, after being charged with assault, decided to go on the Pat McAfee show mm. the very next day mm. to talk about the incident. Look, he says that this is a case of retaliation. He says that he frequents the bars in 2021. Probably shouldn't be doing that for lots of reasons, but okay. No, he likes to frequent the bars. And... The bouncer at the bar that he was at this day was at a for another bar a previous day and he got kicked out. So there's some beef. Yes. So of course he's saying that bouncer then came and wanted to abuse his power in this situation and then, you know, fuck with Pac-Man and Pac-Man's crew. Pac-Man alleges that he was not even a part of the fight until it was almost over. No, no, no. So he's saying he hit back. He's saying that he was talking to the DJ, trying mm-hmm. to get him some Jacquees on, some Trash. little baby, okay, some dub baby. baby. He, yeah, he, he said he was trying to get the club turned up right. Pac-Man, an angel to society, was trying to help the public good. Put the DJ on the right path. Maybe with a little baby, but not the... Set the shit on fire. Now, <laughs> he says he turns around, and one of his mans... And the other guy are already on the floor fighting. They're already on the floor fighting. And this is when he comes in and just to break them up. Pac-Man, settler of beefs, ender of fights, separator of men. I mean, look, if I'm the type of nigga that slaps the shit out of an airport worker in Atlanta, I'm also the type of nigga that stops the fight. Now there's TMZ video. I, that's what I was going to say. There's of course, of course, there's TMZ video that shows that this ends up becoming a situation where people start throwing chairs and start brawling. Uh, yes, classic uh, boondock shit. No, no, I was going to say that. I was <laughs> like, as soon as you throw a chair, everybody fight. <laughs> but okay, I digress. <laughs> chairs were thrown, kicks were thrown. Yes. Okay. Yes, and now what witnesses are saying from the scene and the people that took the video is that what actually happened was Pac-Man and his crew was there. They try to leave and then come back in. But the person that let them in before was no longer there and they got into it with the bouncer. They forced their way into the club and then that's when shit got more tense. A fight breaks out and then they say Pac-Man is the one beating a dude on the floor literally unconscious with punches and kicks and I guess people are throwing chairs trying to stop Pac-Man <laughs> I don't know why throwing a chair would stop anybody from doing anything it's gonna escalate <laughs> I'm just saying after you get after you have to pay millions of dollars in a settlement from a club shooting why are you still going to the club nigga well first that second COVID <laughs> Third, like, if he truly frequents the clubs, isn't there always another club he can go to? Look, I'm just saying, nigga, like, nothing good ever happens at the club. Nothing. No. Granted, I have seen a nigga get his shit stomped out unconscious by a, by a bouncer at the club, and they tossed that nigga on the side of the street and just left it there to wake up. I took a photo. Now, listen, even in the best of times, let's say I was, gonna, I was to go to the club. 
In the best case scenario, I spend too much money on drinks that are watered down and I don't get drunk. Mm-hmm. I dance like 9,200 songs and I'm sweaty. Maybe I take a girl home and that's it. I like turning up sometimes uh, the right yes, yes, places. Yes. Right places, right people. But that's most. That's usually most the best a, the club can go for you. Yes. You can get me clubs in like New Orleans, mm-hmm. but not clubs in Vegas. Mm-mm. Vegas, the clubs are not the move. Right. Or I guess Cincinnati, if I'm Pac Man Jones. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. Okay. So I haven't spent an extensive amount of time in Cincinnati. But I would be very, very afraid to go to the clubs in Cincinnati from what I have seen thus far in that city. Uh, look. He, so, I guess Pac-Man's a real one if he's going in the Cincinnati nightclubs and having shootouts because I, I couldn't do it. Hey, he said it was worth the trip. Okay. Apparently, people are just picking on Pac-Man. For 13 years? Okay. <laughs> and that was your tee off. Ooh, 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 spit at spit at Y'all, 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 it's Tony Playboy. All right, let's get into our All-Star predictions for this season. We know the All-Star game is going to happen March 7th. Things are locked. Voting is on the way. Look, the starters will be out about the day before we drop. So on Thursday, the reserves come out on the 23rd after that. So I first and foremost want your East starters. So I think the East starters are pretty clear cut. Even though the voting is not complete at this point, we have the preliminary numbers and there are people who have such large leads that them not being a starter is almost an impossibility. Mm -hmm. So you have guys like KD and Giannis who are clear locks. Um, If KD actually plays, it's more of a question considering the injury stuff he's had here lately with the hamstring. Yeah. Uh, It makes sense that if even if he does come back before the All-Star break, that he would maybe miss the game uh, to preserve his health for the stretch. I actually have a theory that everybody that has an injury anywhere near it, they're mm-hmm. just going to use it as an excuse. It's an to play. excuse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think I also think that um, you'll have Kyrie and Bradley Bill uh, to fill out the East starters. Uh, those two are the less of a locks, but I think those guys have pretty good chances. Bradley Bill missed the All-Star game last year when he was averaging like 30. And he's averaging 35 now. And I guess it's impossible to deny him. Uh Kyrie's been really, really on fire lately in Brooklyn. Now that he's kind of taken on the two-guard role next to Harden. Um, he missed, uh, I think, a game earlier this week. And I was a little upset with that. Wanted him to play. Not sure. Did they need him, though? Well, with no KD, probably. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure Harden beat the Suns by himself. Harden is known to do that every now and then. But even, you know, Harden came out and said uh, this past this past week, there were quotes, or, or I can't think it was last week or recently, you know, doing the 40 points a night in Houston was tiring. Like, he didn't like it. Well, he says that now. I, I don't know how true that is, but he did say that. Let's just let's just not talk about how I told you Harden would be able to fill the role he needed to and not take all the shots. Fair. He's been balling. I got to give him props. Those might you started. Okay. I'm not too far off from you. I agree that KD and Giannis are locked. The other lock for me is Joel Embiid. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm with yes. you on that. Those are the three locks for me. In the front court, I actually think Harden slips in for what he's done. I think people are going to say Harden hasn't had a lot of games in the East or whatever. It doesn't matter because he is James Harden. A, he has a name recognition. B, he has been playing at that level, leading the league in assists, showing off his game in a, a crazy array. The last one for me, and this is the one that I feel super strongly about, Jalen Brown. Mm. Jalen Brown is an all-star and not just an all-star is a all-star starter. He has been having a ridiculous year. And I think he's going to finally kind of get that respect. Okay. Last year was Tatum's year. This year is Jalen Brown's year. Jalen's had a couple kind of takeover games this season where he's looked fantastic where he's looked like his ceiling is as high as uh, Tatum's is, which is which is not what I thought coming into this season. I While that, being a much better defender. I thought that Tatum was going to be the clear superstar, that Brown would be the kind of star who knows his role to really help support him and the rest of the team. But 
they are more equal than maybe we thought they were coming into this season. Uh, Brown, I have Brown, Tatum, and Harden as East reserves. I think based on the voting numbers, they're no, they're certainly not locks to be starters. I think he's, they are both certainly all stars, the two young Celtic stars. But I'm not sure that they are starters at this point in the East, given some of the entrenched players at the top, especially in the backcourt. Okay, I'm with you. In the East Reserves, I did also have Tatum, Kyrie, and Beal. I feel like we are on the areas of, like, these are the people that will definitely make it in. I think Bam will also make it in. Mm -hmm. And for me, the most surprising all-star this year will be Sabonis. Mm. I think he's going to get it. And I think he's going to get it not just because of, more so because of the coaches voting than because of the public voting. Because it's a 50-50 split uh, and how that gets kind of, counted mm-hmm. up and I think he's been having a very nice year that people that are studying the game are watching you know how like two years ago everybody's like yo Drew Holiday y'all gotta be paying attention to Drew Holiday what's going on too bad he played in the west so it's very hard to be an mm-hmm. all-star in mm-hmm. the west especially in the backcourt but Sabonis is in the east and I think that's actually gonna allow him to slip on in because of what the people that are studying the game are watching him do this year Okay, I think he may slip in, but I think you know who he makes not make the All-Star game? Who? Your boy Levine up in Chicago. I think Levine is actually going to get, like, snubbed. Yeah, me too. 100%. He's my most likely snub for the East. I was even watching something on NBA TV the other day. They were like, oh, or no, it's ESPN. They are like, oh, Levine's so good. And they were like, when Toy does it in the playoffs, I don't want to hear about it. I'm just like, that's, that's where he's at. We're 11 and 15. That's where he's and at I think right that's now. why he's not going to get it. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we're bad. Yeah. Yes. But he has played very well. He's probably the reason that you have 11 wins. A hundred. At least probably like three or four of those. When he's on the floor, we're like a top 10 offense in the league. When he's off the floor, we're like a bottom five. So, yeah, I think he's going to get snubbed out in the East. Talk about snubs also out in the West. I think people, two guards that that could make it that are talented enough, but will not. Number one is Devin Booker. Ooh, I agree. Ooh, I agree. It's just dripping in talent. The second, not a, not as clear, doesn't pop, doesn't get the talk kind of radio treatment, De'Aaron Fox, who's been balling in Sacramento this season. He's really made a jump forward in his game. I think his game says it, but he has very Zach Levine energy because mm-hmm. he plays for the Kings, and the Kings are not all that good. He has very Zach Levine energy to me. And I think that's going to keep him out. But that's why I think Booker is a snub because the Suns are doing quite well. Mm-hmm. And other- Paul probably gets in. George? Chris Paul. Ooh, I don't think he gets in. You think he gets snubbed? I do indeed. I do indeed. I think the starters in the West were obviously Brown, Jokic, Kawhi, Donovan Mitchell for me. Oh, okay. Best team in the NBA. I think the backcourt, back I agree with you for the most part and then in the Steph. West. Yeah, I think it's finished out with Steph and Luca for me. Luca's Luca might get it just because of the fan favor, mm-hmm. but Luca Luca doesn't think he deserves it. No, and Luca is pretty honest. Even back in the bubble, he got he was about to get an award for I think uh, most improved player, and he was like, "Don't give me that." Yeah, he doesn't think he deserves it, and I don't think Luca is an All Star starter this year. He should be a reserve because of what he is doing. And I guess kind of how he solely carries that team, but also just like more impressive than Levine, but also very big, same energy. Your team is not very good. And we thought they would be based on the bubble performance where, yeah, they lost a few pieces. They lost Curry, et cetera. But things had kind of clicked a little bit. Hold you. And I told everybody else that that Seth Curry trade was terrible for them. And they got fleeced. Well, I still don't think Seth has missed a free throw this season. He's shooting like 50% from three or something ridiculous. And he's shooting over 50% in general from the field. The so, Mavs will yes. regret that trade for years to come. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, 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 when I was like, am I the only one that thinks that the Mavs lost this trade by miles? And everybody thought I was crazy. Okay. Now let's talk about West reserves. So I actually think AD and Lillard end up as West reserves, despite the star power the, the West, of course, we know has a backlog at guard. Just a wealth of riches. We just talked about possibly Chris Paul, Devin Booker not making it. Luka not being a starter. 
and that's with other guys in the mix already in the West. So it's 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 really deep. Um, I have other guys out West, for example, Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell as reserves. I don't instead. think Gobert's gonna make it. You don't think he's gonna make it at I all? I think he's gonna get snubbed. Mm. Nobody wants to see Rudy Gobert in the All Star game, and you know who's gonna destroy him in votes? Mitchell, Zion. Oh, Zion. Now Zion. Here's the thing. I think Zion will not make it just on votes. Actually, I think Zion will get in as an injury replacement for AD. Okay. I can see that. And I'll talk about that more later when we get down to the RPO. But I think that they should be cautious with AD. I don't think he, even if he comes back before the break, which I don't think he should, that he would miss the game anyways because of his calf strain slash Achilles. We just saw what happened with KD a couple years ago with that. We saw what happened with Clay. We saw what happened with uh, John Wall. You know, some of these players are coming back from that, but you don't want you don't want that. If you can avoid it, you can avoid it. And the KD example is the best one because he had the calf strain. He missed some time in the Western Conference Finals and then came back in the finals and popped. Like you could see it pop yeah. on camera. And I don't think that the Lakers want that for this season, either because AD is going to be a big part of their playoff push or because, um, you know, that's just such a, a, a visceral, sad moment for your team to see a star player's Achilles pop. They feel like they're going to be a playoff team no matter what. And you have to just feel like mm-hmm. if we have a healthy AD, that's all that matters when the games start to matter. Mm-hmm. LeBron has been all about that. Like when he used to take time off in the in the East because he's just like, I got this. We're going to be in one or two seed. It don't even matter for one seed anymore. Remember, remember the last year they went to the finals, that fourth year, 2018. He didn't even care. Yeah. He didn't care. He was like, we'll be whoever anyways. It's like, we're going to be a hard out four times, no matter who gets home court advantage. Right. So I feel I feel the same. I think that I can definitely see the Luca. I mean, Zion gets in because no AD, so Gobert gets the spot that he deserves. Mm-hmm. But I feel like he's a guy that won't get the fanfare, and a lot of people see what he does defensively, but he doesn't really give you the offensive pop that you think you need no not at all wasn't it Shaq who made fun of him yes yes he was like if you paid me what was it like 80 million to get your 11 points yeah yeah that's obviously Shaq some of the Shaq thing stuff has gotten a little people don't like it as much anymore hey he said he's, he's too accurate. great to hate he's he's accurate on that he's like if you get paid that kind of money and you're that talented especially with his size you got to be able to put up some points he should be getting lots of easy buckets that he's just not getting and so I see it I think also the the unfortunate memory in the back of everybody's mind is last year with COVID, the coughing and touching <laughs> on the mics. Again, Send that nigga to Atlanta. <laughs> I will still say I don't think that Mitchell is completely over that. Okay. I heard that they're just moving past it. Yeah. But they want to win. Listen. And they are winning right now, so I feel like he's over it now. But let something get real rough. And it might come up again. The feelings might creep back up. And when you're winning, it solves everything. So real quick bonus question. Okay. They're bringing back the possibly the dunk contest. I think it's almost guaranteed now. This year, who do you think wins it? It depends on who's all going to do it. Like, I feel like we know Aaron Gordon said he's never going to do another one because he got robbed twice. Yeah, he did. He did, especially the second time. But yes, I believe that he, yeah. I feel like he got around the first time too, and I'm like a huge Zach Levine fan mm. because he's a because he's a fucking bull, and like he came back from that injury, developed into an all star caliber player as a bull. This is the only bright spot in our franchise right now. In besides, like ten years, no, because we had Jimmy Butler. Oh, I guess Butler, I, I and forgot. we had D Rose. Uh, oh, the D Rose yeah. was ten years ago. Then. Jimmy Butler was fantastic. He was. He, we were consistently a playoff team with Jimmy Butler. He is a leader. He brings teams up. And he elevates the people around him. But, look, I'm yeah. going to say that it's going to be someone that we won't expect. Someone really young maybe we might get to see. Should Zion enter? I don't think he will. I don't think Zion will enter. I don't think Ja will enter. Any of those young guys who have, like, some injury-esque things, like Ja's coming back from an injury. Zion, we know, is like, Zion actually only has something to lose by joining the contest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I don't see him I see like maybe Bridges mm. 
Okay. Maybe he maybe he steals it. We'll see who who else decides to come into the mix. Hopefully, we'll know when we can like get some like more solid analysis for next episode. Yeah. So for me, not even like who's gonna win it. Just like thinking about the experience of watching it. Typically, when you watch it on TV, it's it's in a basketball arena full of fans and players. Obviously, that can't happen in the world of COVID. Do you think it's going to be a halftime of the game? Yes, but I don't think the game is going to have full attendance. There's not going to be 20,000 people in there. No, but the players could be spaced around it in a way, and the players could actually vote. Okay, because I was going to say, it seems like in the past, the fan reaction helped drive some Mm. of the scores from the panel. And so... I wonder how this is the player scoring, reaction. Is the scoring different or could it be different this time around with all the different COVID precautions? Fan reaction matters, but the front row is always players and they always give us, at least like as a viewer at home, you're always getting the player reactions and then the judge reactions. So I don't think, I think as a TV product, it'll be just fine. Maybe that changes the reaction, like the in house in house reaction and like the voting, but I feel like as a viewer on the television it will kind of have the same feel we know they can already do the shit with the crowd noise we can see hopefully we see players reactions i don't know some players might just they might not let the players be out there like that we don't know what they're going to do so far as like covid protocols so it has potential but i'm not really sure yeah i think they figured out a way to do these things well during covid somehow i don't know how but they did um, I'm looking forward to it, despite many players not, like LeBron saying, I will physically be there, but not mentally. So I'm not sure what the quality will look like, because last year's All-Star game, or the, the, you know, the last one that we had two years ago, was really freaking good. Like, it was actually a good game. Uh, and of course... But they, years- they'll still do the same draft. That's fair. So, so the game itself should look a little bit more competitive and interesting in the mixing and matching of people. But, like... If the players don't want to be there. Well, at least LeBron definitely doesn't. So we'll see. I'm looking forward to it, though. We'll have to wait a few weeks, but let us know if you think we made the right predictions on the All-Star starters for the hashtag NBA All-Star game. And also let us know if you think that someone different will be snubbed and not make the All-Star game. Let us know on Twitter at the Flyrout Pod. The, fl- the, 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 the fly route pod. All right, let's get into the fly route for this week. Blake Griffin. All right, the Pistons have sat Blake Griffin for the remainder of the season until they can get a trade or a buyout situation going on. The most important thing for me before we get to the fly route here is who is 2021 Blake Griffin? He is a role playing big man on a possible contending team. He can get you anywhere from 12 to 20 points on any given night, given what his shooting looks like. That's what I think he is. I don't think he is the perennial all-star anymore. I don't think that he is the the dunker, the lob city kind of Blake Griffin. I mean, we have the stat that he hasn't dunked since like 2019. And so he's not that anymore, but I think he's still a very good serviceable player who can contribute on a winning team, given the right role for him. Okay, so do you think it's more likely that Blake Griffin has a mellow-esque snapback? Or do you think it's more likely that he has a... Let's use mellow twice. Do you think it's more likely he looks like mellow on the Rockets or mellow on the Trailblazers? I think more mellow Trailblazers. Okay. I don't think... The, the mental part, the, you know, buying in has been, is, is a problem for Blake uh, whatsoever. There were questions about that sometimes being a problem for Melo to lock in given his role. I think at this point, Blake realizes that he's on a bad team. The team is rebuilding and this is not the situation for a, a I think still a star player, maybe not an all-star who, on a rebuilding, a rebuilding team. And so I think more Blazers, if he leaves, than Rockets. Mellow. Okay. So, DeMarcus, what is the fly route for Blake Griffin? Okay. So, I guess we got to give everybody a little bit of a precursor who maybe not are not as well read into the Blake Griffin contract situation and what's going on. 
the the short story is Blake has, I believe, one year left on his deal with a player option. I believe he is guaranteed. Is it thirty seven million this year? Or is it higher than that? Uh, it's about it's a little bit less than thirty seven. So basically, thirty seven million. Approximately thirty seven million. Um, right now with his contract and his numbers, which he's like a twelve five and three guy right now, if I'm correct, or something like that, pretty much that you can't get a lot for him in the trade market to make the money match just because his numbers aren't there. And so I think the most likely scenario is that Blake gets bought out. Now, this is where it gets complicated, even kind of more. Because of how much money he has left, unless Blake gives back a significant portion of what his contract is guaranteeing him, which is the $37 million, he needs to give back close to half of it, something like 17 or $18 million dollars. But that's order thirty-seven for, on top of the thirty-seven for this year. Mm-hmm. Like he, he, his next year option is thirty-nine million dollars. Mm-hmm. So he's gonna have to get back a substantial portion of that money to get a buyout to get out of there. Just point blank, period. I think it has to for Blake has to be a question of does he want the chance of winning or making more money? Because I, I would argue Blake has made his money. Yeah, you can argue this is his last big, big deal. But I think if you've gotten to that point, you, you're aware. I think this is his second huge contract, though. And he had a pretty good rookie deal. He had lots of endorsements. I don't think Blake Griffin should be hurting for money anytime soon, theoretically. Um, and so if in that situation, if Blake does eventually agree and he becomes a free agent midseason, so he is a, a star player possibly for teams to pick up and this year, in 2021, there are not that many kind of big pieces teams can add before the trade deadline or in free agency. They just don't exist. Uh, this is part of the reason why Derrick Rose got traded. It's because he was one of the only kind of options out there to trade for in some instances. So I think he gets bought out. And I think the flyer out for Blake Griffin is to sign with the Los Angeles Lakers. So I think that the point at Blake's career right now, he's still a good passer. Um, I think he can be on the floor with LeBron um, based on that skill alone, the passing and the kind of knowledge of the game to set right the right angles, set up plays, et cetera. Um, obviously, the Lakers need some depth at the forward position. Obviously, LeBron is up there in age, playing a lot of minutes or less minutes than ever, but still a lot of minutes for someone in year 18. You got the AD injury, et cetera. And so they could use some depth that forward, I think, no matter what. Whether or not AD comes back, they need more depth there. Anyways, I think also if Blake gets his shooting right, he gets his numbers back up, which we saw just in 2019. I think Blake averaged something like 23, 24 points in 2018, 2019. So we know that he can shoot. The scoring is can still be there without the dunking necessarily. And I think if he can get even half of that for the Lakers and average anywhere between, you know, 13 and 18 and then five and five a night, that's a good contribution on a possible championship team. And I think that is the fire for Blake Griffin. Okay. So, I don't think Blake Griffin is going to take a buyout. Okay. I think, yes, he's made a lot of money. But, dude, that's... We're talking about mm-hmm. 70 plus million dollars. All in all. You want him to give back half of that? Who wants to... I don't know many people that are going to look down $35 million instead of wait a year. And I think because of that... You're going to see a market for Blake Griffin that actually is their offloading salary to get picks back. Detroit wants to think about this. Detroit gets off of Blake Griffin's salary right now, right? Mm-hmm. What is that? Who are they signing with that money? What There's does that no money do sign. for them? Not, I don't think this season or in the offseason. So why have you sat him right now? My understanding is just the relationship between the two. They've come to a point to where this is not the place for Blake. That's what I've heard thus far. I could be wrong. There could be more to it than that. But that is the narrative that has come out of Detroit is that they've just come to an agreement. This is not the right place for Blake right now. They're going to try to work something out for him. Okay. So I think we're at the part of the season where some people know you got it or you don't. Mm-hmm. You can you can get to a playoff position or you just won't. And at this point, I think there is more of going to be and they're going to offload Blake with some picks. Right. And I think because of that, you should be on the lookout for teams that are doing things like that. Like OKC is a team to look out for, not because they're going to keep Blake Griffin for an extended period of time, but because they can handle the dead salary. They want they've just been amassing picks and doing nothing else. 
I think you should also look for teams that might be desperate and actually need a four that they can pay that much money to. So it's definitely not the Lakers because they have the money to give. Exactly. Not like that. I think that the fly route in a position where he's not just a salary dump is actually the Phoenix Suns. Mm. The Phoenix Suns are at a, when you talk about a team that does not have any real fours that impact the game, that is a team for you. I think Dario Saric or Jay Crowder are their best fours, right? Jay Crowder is a great player. You saw what he did in the playoffs last year, but he is not like all-star role player, Mm-mm. but you can repair Chris Paul and Blake Griffin. Maybe they've mended their relationship. They understand each other's games very well, and he can help this version of Blake Griffin excel. Right, This version of Blake Griffin wants to be a mid-range shooter guy. He's in the post, but he's not banging down low. He's not going to be above the rim anymore. And it gives you some more forward production or in the front court at all that's not DeAndre Ayton. Because DeAndre Ayton is very talented. He's just not very consistent. Mm -hmm. Blake can be consistent. He knows knows his spots. He knows how to get his shots in the flow of an offense. He doesn't have to take control of it, especially the way he's playing now. He knows his limits. Exactly. And I feel like if Blake does buy out to the Lakers, Blake is a vet men guy going forward. Mm-hmm. If Blake goes to the Suns, reestablishes some of his value, Blake can still garner like an $8, 10000000 million contract. So only pushback on that would really be the question of Chris Paul. Chris Paul can be quite ornery. We know that in L.A., he rubbed some people the wrong way. A lot of people the wrong way. That's part of the reason why he left and got out of there and, and pushed that trade, which, golly gee, that was only like three years ago. <laughs> like four. Four. He's been on three teams since, though. But goes from L.A. to Houston. He's in Houston for two seasons. Yep. Goes from Houston to OKC and then One OKC season. to Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Quite a world tour for Chris Paul in the past four years. Josie's wanted. He's definitely wanted, but why didn't the other people not want him anymore? And well, we know for Houston it's because him and Harden Harden couldn't get along. And now Houston kind of shot themselves in the foot as far as that goes. Multiple times. But (laughs) the question is, of course, with that ordinary relationship, you know, the Chris Paul has not gone back to play for many people or with many people that he's rubbed the wrong way. My question there would he be able to repair that or mend that enough to make it work or give his kind of approval? Or would his approval even matter to the Suns? They care more about, you know, Aiton and Booker than Paul because Paul is just the veteran who's helping the young kids. And so that's the questions for me. We They know Booker says he needs to go to the playoffs and start performing now to be satisfied. I mean, he even the fire you saw out of Booker last year in the bubble where he, like, this is where the, this all started, was they showed a lot of promise in those eight games in the bubble and came out, got Chris Paul, and really kind of have run with it from there. And so, but I also, well, one other thing I'll say is that I don't think that if he goes to the Lakers, he's necessarily a mid guy. He's a men guy this year of that minimum. But I think after that, if he gets back to free agency, he can be a mid-level exception guy, um, which is a little bit more money, maybe not quite that 10 to 12 million a year kind of area you're talking about, but still a decent amount of money for a guy who's made a lot of money in this league. And so I think it's a question of what does Blake value more and how? what's going to happen with the Pistons? What is he willing to take and what are they willing to offer? Look, Blake lost a lot of last season to injury mm-hmm. and did not play most of it. But in 2018-2019, he was averaging 24 points a game. Mm-hmm. He was over 50% from the floor, 36% from three. He actually was putting up numbers numbers. Looked great. So we haven't really seen 30 games from Blake Griffin since that point in time. So this is a situation where he can really show that he still has it. And a team that thinks that he might will take the flyer on him. But he has to get bought out to get to the Lakers. And I do think he might take that direction, but he's going to have to get that money. And he can't be waved and stretched. It has to be him giving it back because Mm -hmm. the Pistons do not have the cap space to wave and stretch him. Right. All right. That was your flyer out. Y'all already know what it is. Let's get into the RPO segment for this week. The run pass option. 
This is where we like to give you the biggest stories in sports news for the week and let you know whether or not we are going to run with them or pass on them. All right, DeMarcus, I'm coming at you hot with the Draymond Green story. This has been really big for me. Draymond recently made some comments about the double standard between teams and players when they want to move on from each other and how when players want to move on, they get labeled cancers or they get killed by everybody, the media included, other players, etc. But teams can do whatever they want. He highlighted the differences between Harden and Andre Drummond, who's recently also been sat and told he would no longer play anymore until they find a trade or a buyout for him. Same way Blake has. Mm-hmm. So with all this going on now, run or pass? I'll run with it. I do think there is a bit of a double standard, but not in the maybe generalized way that Draymond is talking about it. I think that players, when they act out to get out, they're called cancers. I think he's absolutely right about that. I think the double standard comes in when teams leak information about a guy to make him look bad as a reason for getting rid of him or wanting to get off of him. I don't think teams get the backlash that they should for that because that's that's wrong. Uh, that's absolutely messed up. That stuff should be private. It should be in house. There should be some level of trust. Yeah, if you don't want if you don't want him, that's cool. Say that, but don't leak things about guys that sound bad, whether it be about their injury or their attitude or mispractices or whatever it is. Okay, so what about this? They can sit Drummond. Drummond no longer plays anymore, right? But Drummond still has to like do all the things, practice, show up, etc., or he gets labeled a cancer. Whereas Harden says he wants out, right? And they're like, you have to show up. You have to play, mm-hmm. right? The ability to remember Anthony Davis got fined like a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars by the Pelicans, right? So I think the difference, particularly in this case, is is that it's for for Drummond. It's not that necessarily there's some problem between Drummond and the team. It is that they've literally just moved on from him on the court. They don't. At that position, they they traded for Allen, Jared Allen, I believe, and they want to give him those minutes to develop him. They don't want to play Drummond, who's an older vet in his 30s, I believe. And so that makes sense. I think in this case, they've been very upfront with Drummond about it. Is it the best situation? No. But I think that Draymond's comments about a double standard applies in so many other situations when it comes to how teams operate than the Drummond one. They're like better fits for his analogy than this particular situation. I think, listen, even what would happen with, with Harden in Houston this year, I I love, I am all for player kind of empowerment and movement. I, I thought, you know, even though, for example, KD, how he left the Warriors was fine. We kind of all knew it was coming. He didn't make a big spectacle out of it. He just left. Yeah, and was he actually, was a free agent. Well, was able to be nice enough to work out the sign and trade. We sure. have other guys leaving. Like, I think when LeBron left Miami and Cleveland the second time, it was much, much better. I have no problem with players leaving like that. I don't even have a problem with some of the stuff that AD did to get out of New Orleans. I think some of the stuff that Harden did is problematic, not because it just wasn't like not showing up. It was like, not only am I not going to show up, I'm going to go to the club in Atlanta with Lil Baby and post it on my IG. Okay. And hang it over the head of the coach, which, you know, Silas came in. Yeah, he didn't get the coach necessarily or the, you know, the the kind of setup that he wanted and players as well. But he really disrespected the other players in that locker room, uh, Boogie and John Wall, etc. And so I think the Harden situation is justifiable. Why we are upset with him or could be upset with him in other cases, I don't think it is as much. And in that case, Draymond is right where players get more backlash no matter what they do versus the owners. And I think the the real rub here, though, there's a double standard, but the players negotiated for this. Most of this stuff is in the CBA. So if the players want to change how some of this stuff operates, make it easier for them to get out of contracts, et cetera, they got to negotiate that in the CBA. Okay, that's – I hate that. I hate it's that true, because though. it's true, but the league has so much power – that while, yes, you do have a CBA, most of the time the league just actually runs over the players because they have a monopoly on the power. I don't know if that's true. That's how we got a lockout. 
Exactly. The lockout and the boycott thing that happened in the bubble are examples. Yeah, the owners have lots of power, but they have no product without the players. And so the players have more power than they think that they do if they are united. But the problem is the players are rarely ever united or willing to go kind of to the wall to get the things out of the CBA they want. Like a lot of the issues that happen with lockouts, no matter what league it is, is a lot of players don't save money. And so they are unwilling to go to a lockout and miss games to get what they really want, the best deal possible out of the CBA, because they literally can't afford to. And so if players want to change some of these things, I'm not saying they fix all of it, but maybe change some of these things, they've got to be willing to go to the mat with the owners and fight for that power. Because the owners are billionaires, they're powerful, they're smart, and they are not going to relinquish that power at any cost. And they don't want to be in most cases, called evil or racist or et cetera while they're doing that. And so the players got to figure out what their strategy is going to be to fight back against the double standard, to fight back against some of the practices. But it is true. This is all negotiated in a contract. We act like this is just kind of an ad hoc relationship sometimes, but it's not. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my take on, on Draymond's comments. Okay, let's move on to L.A., the Lakers, Anthony Davis, re-aggravating his Achilles slash calf injury. Should the Lakers be worried about their championship hopes? Um, Somewhat so. Uh, they shouldn't be panicking whatsoever. AD is going to be reevaluated in two or three weeks, according to ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski. Uh, that's going to be right before the All-Star break. Likely, he gets reevaluated. He, If he looks good, maybe he starts practicing but doesn't play in any games and keeps practicing and working out and rehabbing throughout the All-Star break. But likely, he is not back until after the All-Star break. They should be worried because these kind of injuries, like we talked about earlier, the calf strain, the Achilles, tendonitis, etc., even though it doesn't show any rupture, anything going on with your Achilles as a seven-foot NBA player, you don't want. And so they should be careful as possible, make sure he's completely healed, and be as conservative as possible before bringing him back. They um, are, I think, second in the West right now. They're half a game in front of third, and there's a big kind of drop-off in the West between fourth and the rest. Um, LeBron is averaging 28 points a game and his most efficient scoring in the least amount of minutes he ever has in his career since, like, his rookie year. And so I think the Lakers will, again, be in the playoffs for sure. So if you can just stick around in the playoff race and get AD back right before that time or during the playoffs, I think you have nothing to worry about. But until he's back, they have a little bit of concern. Okay. Now, in this week's White Tears Alert, mm. the daughter of the Lombardi Trophy creator said that she has been scarred and has many sleepless nights because of Tom Brady throwing the trophy to Gronk during the Tampa Bay Bucks boat parade for winning the Super Bowl. Run. Or pass. I'll pass, but I'll say two quick things. First is, I don't care. It's a design. <laughs> the one her dad originally worked on is somewhere in some museum, probably. Um, this is just a design. And also, secondly, there are many, many worse things done to championship trophies in every sport uh, <laughs> that I just don't care about. You've seen, I've seen guys when the Stanley Cup in hockey, they drink out of it. Alcohol, they party with it. Uh, guys have basically assaulted the NBA Finals trophy. They're hugging it. They're touching it. They're doing all kind of things Remember with it. Remember when Gronk dented one of those? Mm-hmm. Well, the, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and so there are all kind of things done with those trophies. Those guys won the trophies. They get to do what they want with them. As long as they don't completely break them, I'm good with it. All right. So I don't care about white women tears, but maybe you care about how white people feel in general. So... A few weeks back, we talked about the Jacksonville Jaguars hiring Urban Meyer to be their new head football coach, despite some of the scandals in his past. Uh, This past week, the Jaguars and Urban Meyer hired, I believe his name is, is it Chris Doyle, uh, to be their sports performance director. Now, Chris Doyle had previously been released from his college job at Iowa for, quote unquote, racial disparities. I don't know what that means. It sounds like he was being racist. And... Urban got on TV and defended the hire. Doyle eventually resigned from the Jaguars because of this. But does Urban going on TV or making the hire in the first place 
and then going on TV to defend it proved that he didn't deserve this job and that maybe someone more sensitive to the current state of the NFL should have gotten. Honestly, pass. Urban Meyer <laughs> is Urban Meyer. He's been brought in there to win football games and they don't really care about the rest if we're being honest, right? This is sad because Urban looks like a mess because of it. And it really shows that it really just exemplifies the good boys club. Yes, there is a racial element to this. Yes, Chris Doyle probably made some racial comments that he should not make because the University of Iowa. If they say it's racist, it's probably racist. <laughs> yes. let's, let's be honest. Yes, Iowa did an investigation and they paid you to get the fuck out of there. Right. But they don't care. And that's how the good old boys club works. Right. You get hired by the people that you are connected with. They throw you a bone and that's how you stay within the industry. Okay. And this just exemplifies it. All right. Now, we're going to go back to NBA All-Star Weekend. So they've, of course, went from not having one, giving players a break, to having just the All-Star game, to now adding in the extra events like the dunk contest, for example. And they're thinking about adding the skills challenge. And adding the skills challenge. They really want to see some of the young guys do that. Now, we've already heard some players don't want to be there. But additionally, there's the problem of the schedule. So we've had postponements of games for the Hornets and the Spurs, I believe. At least two or three games are going to be postponed for each team. Uh, The first question is, do you think that the NBA schedule works out with having the All-Star Weekend with all these events? and trying to reschedule these games that teams have missed due to COVID-19. Runner pass. So I'm going to run with this. I think the NBA is starting to reschedule some games. They scheduled a game that was not originally scheduled between two competitors. But more importantly, they're under the belief that if we fly everybody in on private jets the day of, have one long gulag of a day, right? Can I not say that? I think you can. Okay. It's a, it's a bit of a stretch, but know, historically... You know, you know what happened with that Gina bitch? Like, what? The UFC player from The Mandalorian? Oh, I'm pretty sure she said way worse things than you said. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> that is fair. But look, they think if they have one long day to fly everybody back out, they can reduce the risk of COVID spread, even though that doesn't make all that much sense. Because you're flying a bunch of people in from different places and having them interact with each other. For more than 15 minutes, yes. Yes, and Mm -hmm. I just think it's ridiculous. So, this is going to be a problem. I hope it doesn't become a very large problem. They also are hoping that then the players behave in Atlanta for that one night that they're there or spend no other time in Atlanta while they're there. And you've already heard the Atlanta mayor being like, do not travel to Atlanta for All-Star Weekend. I'm not buying it. First, no one has to travel. Very few people have to travel. Most people who want to go to that game are already in Atlanta. (laughs) The strip clubs are going to be packed. Yes. Strippers are traveling to Atlanta because they know ball players are going to be there. They're going to have private, you know, parties at the strip clubs. Yes. I could see James Harden buying out the whole, buying out Follies. (laughs) Just Um, buying the whole fucking building. Listen. We, we listen. We we have seen, and people do this. They have their birthday party at uh-huh. the strip club. Yes, and they rent out a section of the club where you can't come in, but all the strippers can, all their friends can. Mm-hmm. And if you're telling me that James Harden don't have enough money to do that to a whole club and bring a bunch of players with him that are gonna tip very very well, show up with the money bag yields stacks of ones. <laughs> Just backpacks and backpacks and Dior bags full of ones. Because <laughs> apparently Harden likes Dior bags. Hey, look. <laughs> um, so, no, I don't think that happens. But follow up to this, now that they're trying to add in more events like the dunk contest, the skills challenge, that obviously expands and brings more people into the city, should they still be adding these events? It seems really hypocritical based on previous COVID protocol and advice to keep expanding this to more and more players, star players, young players, old players, et cetera. The runner pass run. The players hate this man. And I've been told that it's a CBA thing, DeMarcus, because you said they've negotiated Mm. it. And the CBA basically says it's at the league's discretion to have the game. So like the stuff with Chris Paul, et cetera, is just like, if they're going to force us to do this, what concessions can we get back as players 
for our goals. It wasn't like Chris Paul was ever like pro the game. It was just like they they have us by the balls. I am sure. Even and if, they don't care. They just want to make the money. That's what I was going to say. TV dollars, especially with the way the year has went, they just do not care. They want that money. And I think this is something that the players will remember going into the next CBA. Welcome to the final segment of our show, the heart of our show, Ballers Bouquets. Too often in the media, people only want to pay attention to the negative and salacious things athletes do and never want to give them their credit where credit is due. Here, we like to make a change. Right. So let me take it away. So this week, we're actually going to have a bit of a, a, you know, a throwback to earlier in this podcast back way back in September when we first started. Actually, in our fourth episode, we had a nice Ballers Bouquet story for you about uh, Atlanta Falcons tight end Hayden Hurst approaching Dallas Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott after a ridiculous game in Dallas, in which the Cowboys came back and won. They shouldn't have. Lots of lots of feelings and emotions with that. But uh, the big story after that game, besides the big, the big Cowboys comeback, was that Hayden Hurst approached the Dallas Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott and wanted to thank him for an interview that Dak had done with Graham Bessinger the week before, and that video had aired on YouTube that week. And in it, Dak essentially talked about struggling with his mental health during the COVID-19 pandemic, during the NFL offseason. Uh, Dak's brother committed suicide, took his own life, and how that impacted Dak and eventually led to some depression, and Dak needing to reach out to mental health professionals. And Dak, publicly speaking on that, did a lot. A lot of players... Um, have been much more active and willing to speak about their own experiences and support that since then. And so that was a story that came out after week four. They both shared the ballers bouquet. But this time around for episode 23 now, Hayden Hurst is going to have the ballers bouquet all to himself. So after that week two game against the the Dallas Cowboys and Falcons, there was some talk about Dak and Hayden Hurst working together to build a kind of mental health awareness program. But that never really came to fruition thus far for different reasons, whether it be COVID or Dak tearing up his ankle and having to have apparently multiple surgeries, which we haven't even talked about here yet. Um, But nothing happened. But Hurst, of course, kept working on his goals and his mission he has a foundation, the Hayden Hurst Family Foundation, and through that foundation, he helped raise money for the cause that's near and dear to him, but also for a cause that's near and dear to us here at the Flyer Out Pod, because in December, he released an article and a video on the Atlanta Falcons website that outlined his own struggles with uh, mental illness, with um, substance abuse, and of course, his 2016 suicide attempt. And so all of those things together generated tons and tons of social media interaction. And Hearst was able to raise over $45,000. And that money went not only to helping establish a mental health awareness program in schools. And we'll talk about that in a moment, exactly what that looks like, but also to pay for treatment, mental health treatment for 50 students in the schools that he worked in. So the Hayden Hurst Family Foundation, which is the foundation that did all the fundraising donation and setting this up, works tirelessly each and every day to raise funds for outpatient facilities dealing with mental health and suicide prevention, as well as implementing a social and emotional learning program across schools in Maryland, South Carolina, and Georgia. And so these programs are, of course, important because kids are often a group that is going through so much. Like, I can't imagine the toll of the COVID-19 pandemic on many students, especially middle and high school students who were already probably going through things because that's what you do at that age. But now you have the pandemic, you may not be able to see friends, you may be stuck at home in possibly abusive or harmful situations or around drugs and alcohol, et cetera. And so this kind of help is truly needed. Um, you know, the Hearst Foundation says, quote, we truly want to make a difference by providing the funds for our community to help teach adolescents the proper tools to cope with trauma. And this is coming from Hearst. And 
he said, you know, the foundation who currently um, the program that helps kids in this social emotional learning, mental health support is called uh, funds and focus or funds and focus for five schools. And that program is the kind of marquee that does this outpatient program help. Uh, Essentially, the organization, the foundation partners up with outpatient treatment facilities and the students who need them. And that partnership has helped what helps facilitate the treatment ultimately. And so obviously a huge, huge shout out to Hayden Hurst and what he's doing and continuing to do by speaking out, raising money and actually making change in this space, in this country. Something that we are now more comfortable talking about, but as a country, we still have not done enough about. And I think it is important for everyone to know it's okay not to be okay. And that is the message of this week's Ballers Bouquet. Huge shout out to Hayden Hurst and all the work that he has done, is doing, and will continue to do. I really, really look forward to hearing back from him. I, I don't know him very well. I don't, I don't root for the Falcons, but everything I've seen the past season from this guy makes me really want to root for this guy. He seems like a fantastic young man who's gone through it and is using his experiences to help others. And all I got to say is, you know, we've given shout outs before, but if you need help, especially with everything going on right now, get help. It's perfectly okay. It is perfectly normal not to be okay. If anything, not being okay makes you more human. So that was this week's Ballers Bouquet. We will see you next Friday. It's a Playboy affair. All right, all right, all right. That is it for episode 23 of the Fly Route Podcast. As always, we want to thank each and every single one of you for taking the time out of your days to listen. We are loving all the interaction and feedback we are getting on our social media posts. We're at video now, giving you all extra content each and every single week. We want to know what type of content have you all found the most engaging on either our IG or our Facebook or Twitter. All of it is at the fly route pod. Let us know. Yeah. Most importantly, if you do somehow find your way to our YouTube channel, make sure that while you're watching one of our clips that you like and subscribe, make sure to hit that little notification bell. Otherwise you'll miss out on some of our videos.